episode 84 of the Training for Ultra podcast, and this is David Laney. exciting episode having David Laney on. He is, um, I joke around that he's like a mountain lion, kind of a rare interview and just thankful for the time he took. I felt a little bit of pressure. I mean, I think the only other podcast he's been on is Ginger Runner Live after he wins a big race. And I also, you know, I'm a bit of a fan as I think I even mentioned in the interview. So hopefully you guys enjoy it. I was trying to get to know him the person but then also talk running and balance a lot of stuff there so it was it was a fun interview so Georgia death race I don't have a huge amount of time to go over it I am going to try to put together a video on it I'm sure I'll write about it at some point but I mean every race can't go well I would say I went in uh, with a smart plan to race the the first half conservatively and my pack was weighed down I had that railroad spike I also had you know some video equipment and I mean I was I was surprised how fast people were running the beginning of the race and I found myself quickly I would say in the middle to back of the pack at the start of the race which is fine because normally I can continue to pro- you know progress throughout the race and I'd say within the first six miles, like, we were just chatting, fun group of people. The trails were a little gnarly, but not, like, super technical. But you did have to watch your footsteps because the rocks and the leaves were the same color. And especially with the headlamp on, you know, carrying extra weight, and you're going up some steep climbs and steep descents, like, you just had to be careful so you didn't roll your ankle. So I was focused on my feet quite a bit, came up to a road right around mile six, I would say, maybe seven, and it was, I looked left or right, I was like, I, I don't know, like neither neither direction was marked, so I took a right, just because I thought I saw headlamps up the mountain, and I went the wrong way, like in retrospect it was straight, but the um, course markers weren't reflective, so it was kind of a weird situation, and throughout the course, the course markings, like, they they were fine for the most part, and honestly, I blame myself for just maybe being a little too conservative at the beginning and not having anyone to follow um, up that path, but there was no reassurance marker, so, like, normally you take a right turn because the flag's there, and then, like, a few hundred feet later, there's another marker, and I know Sean had a bunch of stomach issues and was relying on a bunch of others to help him out with course marking, so... Um, and I'm not going to get into the controversy there on that front with the golden ticket. Um, I think Eric Schranz did a really good job, you know, talking to Sean about what happened there. And, I mean, from ground level during the race, real time, I got lost and I was the one who made the decision to turn. I think I messed up uh, three people's race with that wrong turn because they followed me. And we... Um, it wasn't a huge mistake, and I quickly, my Moab training essentially <laughs> taught me, like, there's no footprints in this mud, like, 
and I'm, I'm middle of the pack right now. Like, this is definitely the wrong direction. So I turned around, like, I yelled at, actually back to someone, and they're like, no, I think we're on the right trail, and then, like, another, probably quarter of a mile later, I'm like, there's no way, like, there's no footprints here. And it was, like, a a shallow, kind of watery, muddy section, so I was like, there's no way we're on the right trail. And that person pulled out their phone and had the GPS map of the course and said, yeah, we missed the turn back there. So I, I gunned it a little bit, but um, I've figured out if you go on trail or go off trail, your first initial reaction is to overrun to try to catch back up to where you are. I learned this at Behind the Rocks 50K. Yeah, I've learned it throughout all my missed turns. So I've also learned whenever you go off trail, getting back to where you got off trail, slow down. Like, you're not going to undo getting lost for a mile or however far I got lost. Like, it's just not going to happen. So you need to take a deep breath, slow down, don't go lactic. Like, and I'm on mile seven of a pretty hard, I mean, Georgia Death Race is 74-ish miles. So it's not like I was going to make up much on that front. But when I did get back on trail, I mean, I was immediately behind, you know, a little bit slower group of runners that were hiking, and I was looking around like, there's no way to get around them. So it probably took 20 minutes to get back to a uh, a space where I wasn't, like, just waiting around. Um, and honestly, back of the pack, again, like, great people, you know, had good conversations. One of the guys just bought my book. It was really cool experience um but then all of a sudden i mean the cutoff times at georgia death race are pretty aggressive i would say actually at the very beginning and i i made it to the mile 20 aid station i think with maybe half an hour 45 minutes before they were going to close down the aid station but i also was coming across aid stations because i was now like way at the back of the pack that had been just demolished in terms of you know, I didn't see potato chips out, like, you know, there had been hundreds of people probably that had gone through it already, so, um, they were a little low on stuff, which, I mean, I haven't experienced that before, um, and I didn't bring drop bags, because I had a crew and pacer, uh, Trina, who was helping me out, but I, I mean, my whole game plan was to rely on aid station food, both as training for the Triple Crown of 200s and then also just sheer weight and volume in my pack. I, you know, I was carrying extra weight and couldn't carry nutrition with me. So I was a little off on nutrition from pretty, pretty early on. And you know, I looked down at my watch, and I think we were right around mile 26. I want to say we had hit right around 11,000 feet of gain. And I was right on like eight hours. So I think eight hours for a marathon is my slowest marathon time ever. <laughs> but it was um, it was a beautiful course. It was a lot of vert. And, um, you know, as I made it to right around where you pick up your pacer, I want to say it's like mile 40. There's there a really cool like kind of swinging bridge that you go across. Uh, beautiful like giant river that you, you go over, and, um, I mean, my feet were dry the whole time. I actually ended this race with no blisters, so my squirrel's nut butter, and uh, I used some exoskin toe socks. 
it, it really worked. No blisters on that kind of uh, gain in descent was was kind of a surprise. I thought my feet would be destroyed with only one pair of socks on. So I pick up my pacer, and you know we we keep moving. Trina is really really nice to help me out. She had paced this course I think twice and ran it twice or something like that. So she lives locally and mom of two or three so to get away for a weekend um to help someone's really awesome and you know much appreciated but i would say my legs were feeling it right around mile 40 42 you know i had done 15,000 feet of gain and i knew how to solve the problem it was really easy you just need food um a lot of times <laughs> or hydration and it's hard to believe it in the moment when you're in that much pain but going to an aid station, eating as much as you can. I thought, I mean, it did recycle my ATP or whatever it was, that my lactic acid. And uh, my legs started to feel good, and we were running the downhills, and things were going, you know, really well. It wasn't easy. We kind of struggled into the mile 52 aid station, I want to say. It was cool. Andy Jones Wilkins was there. AJW, he was doing announcements on, uh, you know, the runner coming in and pep talk. It was cool meeting him in person. It was actually, like, very uplifting. So that aid station, I tried, I took it, in, intentionally I took an extra five minutes to eat another quesadilla there. And, I mean, that was pretty much my only option. Um, again, I wasn't drinking like normally i'll have perpetuum just didn't have that set up in retrospect if i had had a bottle of perpetuum maybe that would have worked my bottle of perpetuum that i was drinking during that race like blew up at mile three like the lid just exploded and broke so i'm not even sure how that happened um but it it blasted all over my face and like I probably smelled like chocolate perpetuum the entire race, but I don't know if having that would have changed things. I think it would have helped. Um, you know, I can lean on that liquid calorie and not have to force gels in, but I was taking down enough calories. Um, but yeah, moving out of that aid station, it was like, okay, like this is kind of, let's not do something stupid and miss a cutoff, but we were well within our time. I think we hit the mile 52 aid station with like 45 minutes until they were going to close their aid station. So things were going well. And then I think we hit that. There's a big kind of um, gently sloping gravel road section. It's like five miles. And I just bonked. Like I just ran out of energy completely. And I could not figure out what was going on. Like I sat down tried to eat something you know normally that's the case is like more food will help but for some reason like I just wasn't digesting food I I got super sleepy and part of that was related to like the 2 a.m bus ride to the start line the start was at 5 a.m and I had not slept well the night prior because my newborn was screaming so I had four hours of sleep Thursday night and then Friday night I had probably equal amount so again, I was like, this is just good training, you know, sleep deprivation training for the 200 milers is, you know, it's just something you have to learn how to deal with. And I don't know if I 
caught something on the flight. I did return from this, and uh, all my family members were sick in Atlanta. Um, but I, I don't know if I caught something on the flight or what happened there. But I was laying down on the, on the gravel trail there. Trina was trying to keep me moving, and I just, like, I have to lay down. I even, like, closed my eyes and took, <laughs> took a two-minute nap. And eventually I was like, ah, this is really weird. Like, I have to throw up. And I've never thrown up during trail running, ever. And, uh, yeah, I really threw up for probably less than a minute. And just, it was kind of a classic, like, puke and rally. So we started hiking after that. And then I bonked really hard two miles after the puke and rally. So it was just, I could not keep my eyes open my energy levels were just super low so I don't know if I messed up hydration I mean this is the first time I was running in humidity and being from Denver there is no humidity I, I don't know what happened I, tr I tried to correct every issue I could think of you know do I need more water okay yeah I need more water like I need more food no I need more electrolytes more salt I tried everything I don't know what happened I mean, if I knew what happened, you know, this, this would not have been a DNF. I got to, we struggled the last like two or three miles into the mile 65 aid station. Frustrating. Like you've done most of the course. There is a little tricky section at the end, but we were looking at, you know, I don't know, less than 10 miles to go. And 10 miles, I mean, in that bonked out state was looking like 100 miles in my head. And uh, Trina did a great job. I mean, it started raining. You could see lightning. There's a giant like rainstorm that kind of blew through in our last two miles. Again, I, I don't think it was anything I couldn't have overcome. Everyone I had been running with finished that race. So it's frustrating not to execute like the finish having done the majority of the course. And I did get into the aid station with 40 seconds until they were going to you know, close the aid station, but they said I missed the cutoff, which I thought was a little weird. Maybe they were just packing up before the, stor before the storm blew in. Um, typically, um, I found that aid stations are more supportive, more like trying to get you out the door, not trying to close down, which I thought was strange, but... Again, I was so I was so sleep deprived and bonked out. I don't know, I don't even really know what was happening. So they, all the aid station volunteers were incredibly nice. I just I thought it was a little weird that, um, you know, I my watch was going from the start. I knew what how much time I had, and uh, yeah, I mean it is what it is. Every race can't go well, especially when you have a few races on your schedule. And I'm not gonna lie, I was using this really difficult golden ticket race as a you know a training block like a kind of a, a a peak out to get ready for bigfoot 200 because the gain and loss at bigfoot's ridiculous so um i've i've come i've come back from the dead before and i think i just basically ran out of time to come back from the dead there but yeah, again, puking, I've never thrown up during a race, so that was very weird. I, it was just a one-off, and um, I'm just focused on what I have next, which is 
just a real local race, Palmer Death Race, 24-hour event, 0.8-mile loop. I write about Palmer Lake in the book. It's actually a whole chapter. So if you're interested, what the heck's Palmer Lake, check it out. I forget what chapter it is. But um, I'm going out just for a 20-mile kind of long run. If I'm feeling good, I'll just keep running. And my expectations are it's just a long run. It's basically my first first run back after Georgia Death Race. You know, I have some group runs at Runner's Roost this week, but, you know, it's an 8 a.m. start, which is very exciting. <laughs> I don't have to get up at 2 a.m. or 1 a.m. or whatever it was. But it's just this tiny little loop. It's at 7,200 feet, and it looks like it'll probably be really cold again. So and if I'm feeling good, I'll try for... I'd say anything better than last year. I, again, I was pretty disappointed last year. I felt like it was a missed opportunity to actually test myself. And if I do feel good, I'm not going to lie. I'll go for 100 miles. So I, I think running 100 miles in 24 hours is kind of like a cool benchmark that I've never done before. And I also need to be thinking about the long-term picture and not breaking anything whether it's uh you know adrenals and you know that sort of thing i think physically my recovery is perfectly fine i was walking the next day and no injuries at all which i'm very thankful for my legs nothing even feels tweaked or anything so again georgia death race it's cool to have been there now if if i do have people that i interview during the podcast that talk georgia death race you know i know those climbs and uh yeah give it a shot you know again i'm not it it is what it is you can't have a good race every race and i'm being smart about recovery and i'm not going to push myself at palmer lake if i'm not feeling it but i also need to start training like i just have not had an incredible incredible amount of time to train for the triple crown of 200s and I do need to do a little bit more extreme training. Honestly, it's some of it won't be as smart as it could be, but I need to start getting in shape. So enjoy this episode. I appreciate you guys. Thank you again to my sponsors, Exoskin, Destination Trail, Sufferfest Beer, Hammer Nutrition, and Ultimate Direction. Again, the Exoskin Socks, Weird, it was weird. I didn't have any blisters after 65 miles at the Georgia Death Race. Destination Trail. I think they do have spots still open for Bigfoot. I think they have very few openings. And then Moab 240 even might sell out this year. They're cool experiences. Exoskin, if you want to try them out, feel free to use my promo code T, the number 4U20 for 20% off. Hammer Nutrition, if you haven't tried them out, you want 15% off. Feel free to use my referral code, 252888. And Ultimate Direction, I didn't end up using the Halo Vest. I think I used the Ultra Vest is what it's called. And I'm still getting accustomed, accustomed to, like, you know, where the different pockets are and all that stuff. But all um, great products that I use myself. So I wouldn't recommend them if I wasn't using them myself. So have a great week. Don't forget to enjoy your training. Enjoy this episode. Ultra running, you know, phenom, uh, Nike Trail Elite guy, uh, David. David, who um who else sponsors you? I want to make sure to get them in. Yeah, Trail Butter. 
and spring energy awesome yeah and uh i mean it's an honor to have you on the show and i'll be honest it was i think it was a billy yang ccc video on youtube all the nike trail elite guys and i think it opens with you even and it just goes over um a utmb year it was just a phenomenal video and i remember being on the treadmill having just lost a bunch of weight and like literally <laughs> pounding out 16 minute miles or whatever that's, it was yeah. and just like yeah. oh my gosh these guys are unbelievable so it's kind of surreal talking to you now just over three years later so thank you for taking the time truly yeah, an honor. of course yeah thank you yeah Happy so to. so where are you these days uh, i'm in bellingham washington most of the time uh in the in the winters um, in Bellingham all the time. And then in the summer, uh, a little bit more on the road, um, depending on the race. Yeah. What, what do you like about the area? Cause you seem to, you've been there for a, quite some time, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I grew up in the Pacific Northwest, Northwest. So, um, you know, I've always, you know, I like like the classic Northwest rainforests. Um, but Bellingham's really cool cause we're on the water as well. So, kind of the Puget Sound and Chuckanut Bay um, are just like, I don't know. I like, I like being on the water. I like uh, being able to climb from sea level um, and get, you know, like, like vert straight out of the ocean to me is always really beautiful. Um, So I like Bellingham and it's, it's a small town. I like small towns better. So the trails are pretty, pretty wide open. They're not, overrun by trail runners and you get to do your thing and pretty open pretty quiet um you know bellingham is like kind of on the kind of on like an i mean it's a it's a i guess a city small town city um but it's kind of like it's it's a small area and it's definitely on like an urban boundary so um so you know there's like coyotes and cougars and everything like walking around town <laughs> uh, um, so yeah it's it's the north cascades are an hour away um so it's really it's nice yeah that's awesome i yeah. mean it's a quiet little town but after ten thousand people listen to this uh we're, we're coming for bellington um, yeah, more the merrier <laughs> um so you know I've, I've listened to a few podcasts i think you've i think you've been on ginger runner for the most part and yeah you started off, uh, I mean, and if, if the listener's wondering, like I skip over 18 and kind of the beginning of 19, it's because Ethan did a great job. I don't need to, to go over, you know, all that in fine detail. Um, I'm excited though, to see you, you know, shifting gears into the season. And I hear a lot about you as a runner. You're a, a really great writer. You write all about you know, just every topic under the sun running related, but let's go back and meet David Laney, the person. I want to know more about you, <laughs> get to know you. And I mean, let's, let's work up to where this mustache came from. Um, like, where'd you grow up? I mean, you said, uh, you said right around the same area. Yeah. I grew up a little bit South in Portland, Oregon. Um, and yeah, around, around Oregon most of my life. And had you always been active or was this like, yeah, I, like I started running cross country pretty young, uh, ran cross country and track in elementary school. And then, 
I'd say I think I got pretty serious about it kind of in sixth and seventh grade uh, and started really, really focusing on running. And uh, I think training at like a training, like my, you know, like very focused training at that point because uh, I always liked running. I liked being alone and uh, doing something that was hard. Um, you know, like that was always very freeing. So, yeah, from it's, a young age, I liked running. I feel like you are a mountain lion. Like, like, <laughs> I like I, I feel like we're in like rare territory here. We're talking to David Laney. Like, <laughs> I'm way <laughs> more boring than we spotted a mountain lion. No, you're yeah. not boring. You could you could write book after book. You're talented, man. Um, so Thanks. was it middle school or you know those grades that you started figuring out that maybe you're good at running, or were you very average then? Or, or tell me, like, what's going uh, yeah, through your head? I mean, I had ups and downs. Uh, you know, in middle in elementary school, it's not that competitive, but I was I was like a decent runner. You know, I'd be in the top top five of of any time I did a race. Um, you know, of like my age group, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in I would say in middle school, I got a little bit better um, to where I could win track races or cross country races. And wow. then in high school, I kind of got worse, um, where I got, I was pretty average, like a pretty average JV runner. Um, like, I think I was just kind of like a late bloomer. I didn't develop. I was a lot smaller than a lot of the, you know, other high school kids. How tall are um, you, by the way? Uh, I think like six feet. Okay. But I was like five one, and like 78 pounds as a freshman in high school. Whoa. So I was like, I was Whoa. like pretty small. And like so pretty, when, like, weak. That means that you're 78 pounds. Like, yeah, I was, like, I'm, pretty small. I'm, like, yeah. f- I'm 5'6", and uh, multiples of that. Um, yeah. <laughs> so well, that's good. 78 was way too small, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, so when did you start to blossom? Like, when did you figure out – I mean, first of all, something must have kicked in, and you sprouted upwards, mm-hmm. but then yeah, that must have added something to your running, right? Yeah, I, I like you know just kept training hard through all of high school, but it was like, I think it was uh, mostly mostly failure. I mean, not failure, but like mostly disappointment. I guess would be the right word. Uh, yeah, you know, I had some success as a little kid, and I liked running. I still loved it. Success it was, is such a weird word, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a bad word. Um, I guess I would say I had some positive experiences, and but I still loved doing it even though I was having disappointment in every performance. Exactly. I mean, uh, so you're not like being fulfilled by this. Like other people might be like, Oh my gosh, you ran, you know, an excellent race, but you were not satisfied yourself. Yeah. I just, I knew how hard I was working and I was just, you know, I mean, it's like, it's like a high school kid. You don't really have a term vision of like sports don't really matter. Like this is a metaphor for life and you getting third in a JV race as opposed to getting, first it just like whatever dude you're working hard like you'll have you'll have enjoyment in this or not uh but you just don't see that context you're like i got third i'm so i'm so disappointed you know my my time was too slow whatever i mean Uh, honestly but i had good coaches i had good coaches that kind of mentored me and helped me have good perspective i i think that perspective applies to all age groups honestly like like you you have even elite runners that go to you know, some of the best races, they place not where they wanted to be. And, mm-hmm. yeah, it's all about perspective. Yeah. So what does David Laney read in high school? 
Were you a bookworm, or were you like... Yeah, not as much. I mean, like, I were you ended up being an English minor jeans? in college, so I liked reading by that point. What was okay. that? Were you wearing, like, big jeans? Like, I no. mean... <laughs> I wore girl jeans. I was like, <laughs> like, that's all I could fit into. Uh, <laughs> like, literally. Um, no kidding. Yo, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and what were you reading? Wear? I don't know. I think I wore the same thing every day. I wore jeans and t-shirt, probably. And what were you reading, or were you a bookworm? I mean... Uh, what did I read? You know, I read, like, a lot of, like, proverbs. Like, like, wisdom. Yeah. Like, I think a lot of that stuff. And I think that, like, just, like, slow med- meditative reading was, like, good for me at that age. That's amazing. Uh, you know, I at read, like, age. all the, yeah. the, like, um... You know, like English literature books that they make you read in high school, and I was like, thought they were pretty boring. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I didn't really like reading at that point. I think in college, like my junior year in college, is when I was like, yeah, I was here. super injured for like six weeks, and I had nothing to do, and because like running was all I did, and so I just started reading books. I was I was living with these people, this like older couple. Uh, they had like a mother-in-law studio in the back of their garage. So that's where, like, me and my teammate were living, and they had this amazing library. And so I'll just go in and get books every day. So cool. And they had really, really good books, yeah. You st- so you started so getting into, like, Thoreau and, yeah, like, all junior, that good stuff. Yeah, junior in high school, like, you know, like all the American classics. And, and then started, like, from there, I kind of, I mean, like, I think that stuff's good. I always, like, I like Steinbeck a lot. That was like what I did my thesis paper, but um, but now I like like adventure, like you know, like Shackleton. Like I, I like to read any Shackleton book I can find, um, stuff like that. Like, yeah, I I can tell. I mean, just your writing skills. Like you're not just running. Like you're learn you're learning <laughs> you're learning throughout the process here. Yeah, uh, we'll see. <laughs> Maybe. So. Uh, I mean, was college in terms of, you said you had some downtime. Was it college or high school? I'm sorry. Yeah, that was that was college. I was kind of switching back and forth. But, yeah, okay. that was in college. Um, you know, and that's where my I think my running developed quite a bit. My, my senior year in high school and going into college is where I kind of got back to where I felt like my performances were meeting my expectations. Yeah. And – so for the listeners' background, where'd you go to college? And... At Southern Oregon University in Ashland, Oregon, like a pretty small town. Okay. Uh, small college in a small town. And and so were you having success as a runner in college, or I mean, you're balancing a lot. Like, I can't imagine. I I had trouble personally just going, having no responsibilities as an athlete. Like, I can't imagine going in with any kind of. Like you're part of this athletic team and representing the school type yeah, responsibilities, you know? It's not like I mean, it's such a small school, uh, and and like you know, you can prioritize your time. Like college wasn't super hard. I mean, I didn't get straight A's, so maybe that's why it wasn't super hard. But um, <laughs> but like I was able to you know prioritize. I didn't do anything else. Like you know, I I go to bed at nine o'clock every night, so. I was pretty boring, yeah. Got home from practice and do, like, a half an hour of homework and go to bed. Nice. And so, I mean, were you... 
I mean, were you finding out things about yourself at this point, or were you still just, I mean, were you, what, what were your aspirations? Like, were you really diving into like, I want to study this because I want to become a astronaut, you know, like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like, where were you, where were you shooting towards? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I think, I think my intention was to, um, to work or run for Nike. Uh, and so that was kind of where I was putting all my eggs in that basket. Um, cause you know, I'd grown up in Portland and Nike is a big influence there and I knew I liked distance running. Uh, so that was kind of like, I was a business marketing major with a minor in English literature and I liked English literature more, but I was just like, you know, what are you going to do with an English? I mean, what are you going to do with any degree really? But, <laughs> but I just like felt like business was better than English lit, which had I gone back now, I would have English literature was probably more more interesting and probably more beneficial but that's fascinating though like so nike was kind of the ultimate i mean and diversification's okay but i mean if you watch that single egg closely Mm -hmm. and go for it i mean you nailed it i mean what would what would the college you think now because you Uh... you wanted nike so bad and now you're probably in terms of running I would say yeah. you're one of their top five most recognized runners, as weird as that sounds, like at least in trail running, for sure. Yeah, yeah I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm super thankful for all the opportunities they've they've provided. And uh, yeah, it's been it's definitely been a lot of fun. I'm definitely. Yeah, if I was still in college, I mean, college is so much fun, but um, but yeah, I would definitely be happy with how things turned out, I guess. Yeah, is is and I don't mean to get too far ahead, but are you doing anything outside of of running for Nike? Like, are you testing things for them and like? Yeah, yeah, we do a lot of product development stuff. Um, you know, from shoes to shorts to packs, um, pretty much since the beginning. Um, cool, and even even before that, really, I mean. Growing up in, like, in Oregon, it's just, like, if you're a runner in Oregon, that's going to be part of what you grew up doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, focus groups, like, here's a new spike, try it on, run a mile, tell us what you think, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so you just kind of are ingrained with that, like, product, uh, like, that mindset of, like, okay, this isn't perfect, and we're going to make it better. Like, never taking something at face value. Like, this isn't, this product that seems really great has a flaw and our job is to figure out what the flaw is interesting um, yeah the, the flaw so far is there's no laney shoe i can buy right <laughs> um, uh, that might be the that might be the only thing they've done right <laughs> <laughs> so walk me through i mean what what happens after i assume you graduate from college it seems like you're on a good path there i mean yeah not partying too hard yeah definitely not yeah i graduated from college and then um kept running start and i started working at the running store rogue valley runners in town uh where hal kerner who'd won western states uh twice cool uh, and and timothy olson uh who's won western states twice was working as well uh and so there was a really big trail running community there uh and so it just kind of fed into that um pretty organically no kidding that's crazy. Yeah, so, yeah they're great mentors and had a lot, lot of, 
a lot of good advice. I, I'm just thinking back, back to the movie where, like, the shop has, maybe I'm totally off here, but has, like, all the Western states, like, trophies in it. Like, the, yeah. uh, the cougars are there, mm-hmm. and, like, you get to look at those every day. Yeah, yeah, it's so, definitely humbling. <laughs> so where where do you go from there? Are you Are you just totally focused on training and – I love the fact that your favorite part of running is the training part because that's the, that's the meat of running, right? I mean, yeah. If you don't love that, there's not much point in doing it. <laughs> lo- it. Yeah, listener, just rewind, like play that over and over. Like, I can't agree more with any comment. Seriously, like, if you don't love the training aspect, like what? It just doesn't make sense in my head personally. But then again, I'm not like a sub three marathoner or anything special with speed and and uh i mean so you're working at a running store you love training like what is it are you just almost like a monk in running are you just running eating sleeping yeah um i mean yeah i think so <laughs> uh I, you know we had an apartment so well at one point we had like six people living in this two-bedroom apartment but it was, it was great rent um <laughs> And and most of the people worked at the running shop. Uh, so, yeah, it was a really – it was like – I thought it was a great apartment. Uh, so looking you, back now, I'm like <laughs> pretty torn up. But so Timothy great. Olsen was a roommate? No, no, no. no. Oh, okay. He was married at the time, so he okay. had – he he was on his own. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, a bunch of – yeah, I mean, I, yeah. It was, a, it was a busy house, lots of runners. And so what are you training for? Right now, I'm at, at that I point the, in life. Oh, like at that when, point. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that was twenty. Let's see, twenty thirteen. So I um, was trying to get an Olympic trials qualifier in the marathon, and then in twenty fourteen, I ran Western States. So kind of ultras and marathons at the same time. And what? What even? I mean, I assume it was the running store that introduced you to. Uh, trails and ultras or like where yeah. did that come up from i mean it's hard to be running where you're running and not hear about ultras but yeah like where was your initial uh introduction to ultra running yeah so eric uh, eric skaggs who's a who's a good trail runner um he t- uh, you know i've been running road racing and stuff and he told me i needed to go run chuck and nut 50k in washington in bellingham actually um, because it was a competitive race and it was, it would suit my, you know, it was flat, really flat and then hilly and then really flat again, uh, suit my strengths. And so I was like, you know, I was like, whatever, I'll go do it. Sounds like fun. And yeah. so that was my first, actually, I guess I ran the Lithia loop trail marathon, our, our hometown marathon in Ashland first, but then I ran Chuck and And at that point, um, I, I like didn't have any trail shoes and I didn't really know what a good trail shoe was. So I just, I just glued a mountain bike tire on my Nike road racing flats <laughs> and I thought that would hold up. Seriously? And yeah. Yeah. For, ch- for Chuck it or was that? Yeah. The, okay. Yeah. But then, and then I went running it and I was like, this is great. This is a great shoe. And then my buddy who works at Nike, I don't, I don't know why, but he found out I was, Oh, he found out I was running the race. And so he sent me the new Kyger 
which which was gonna come out that May. This was in March. And he's like, Hey, just wear this. Like if, if you don't have a shoe and I was like, Yeah, I don't. I have a mountain bike tire glued to my like racing flats. Um and so that was the Kiger and that was the first race. The first race to That's amazing. Yeah. And then just kinda went from there. So that's that's a hometown race. Like you're That's yeah, that's the Bellingham, like that's the big Bellingham Ultra. Yeah. Cool. And I yeah. said, I think I said Bellington before, so I apologize. Oh, awesome. I'll, I'll get hate good. mail on that one. No. Uh, <laughs> um, so, I mean, it's the race seemed to go well for you. Um, yeah. You, you won it. And, yeah. I mean, did that give you confidence that maybe trail running was uh, where you're supposed to be? Definitely, yeah. It was, um, you know, I, I still wanted to uh, run a couple marathons, um, but it was definitely like, I always knew that's where it w- I was going to end up, like doing trail races. Uh, I just thought it would be like when I turned 30 instead of when I was like 20, in my early 20s. Um, so it just kind of, it just moved that timeline up a little bit, but I was okay with that. What, I mean, and honestly, in in my weird head, I'm like, what what is so attractive about marathon running that it's like let's devote you know a decade of our life to uh-huh. to getting I don't know a two a two oh nine versus like a two fifteen or like a two twenty five like yeah and occasionally a two oh nine is amazing and you'll win a race but you know for the big competitive races like these days it takes like a 205 or you know something totally insane yeah uh, or even lower um yeah like what's so attractive uh to you or, or what was so attractive to you that you wanted to pursue it with everything you had i think uh you know when i was when i was like um maybe a sophomore in high school i got injured uh, and I was just kind of like reading about distance runners and I read that Dathan Ritzenhein who, who made the Olympic team that summer, um, had had like six stress fractures and I was like, you know, like I'm, I'm complaining and moping around the house with like one injury. Like this guy's had six stress fractures and it's like his job and he keeps coming back at again and again and again. Um, I was like, you know, like you gotta like, if you want to do this, you got to wrap your head around that really, really quick that you're going to have lots of ups and downs in this sport. And if a down is going to make you quit, you might as well quit now. Yeah. And so I decided, well, I'm not going to quit. I, mean, I don't think I'm, gonna, I'm not going to quit now. And then if I'm not going to quit then, it's like, why, why ever quit? Unless you genuinely don't enjoy the ups anymore. Like if you, you can't quit cause you hate the down part if you hate the times running is enjoyable, then yeah, quit. You're wasting your time. Like get out of here. But, so just the, you know, the middle of the pack's fine, David. <laughs> what do the, you mean? Mi- the middle path. <laughs> no. It's, it's, there's not that high of highs, but the lows aren't that low. Um, yeah. no, I'm just kidding with you. Um, yeah, yeah. uh, so, I mean, you, you obviously found your niche and just start crushing trails. Like, what drew you to Western States? I mean, you're uh, you're starting off with like 50Ks and like, yeah, I mean, Waldo's a great race. I definitely want to do that race. I, yeah, I think it really got cool burnt race. pretty bad a few years ago. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I definitely need to do that race before I quit running awesome. at some point. Yeah. Um, like why Western States? Was it seeing Hal's trophies at work every day? Like, or like, yeah, what was, was it? Yeah. I always knew like from when I was a kid, I would run Western States. Um, so you knew about States did... as a kid? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. When I was really young, Very I cool. was like, I had met a few Western States runners and I was interested in that. Um, I just figured it would be later in life. And then, you know, you become like who you hang out with. So you hang out with a bunch of Western States runners and you hang out in Ashland. It's like, kind of like, well, what are you waiting for? Like, you don't know how long you're going to live. You might as well get the, you know, start this thing. I kind of, I mean, it's morbid, but I kind of like that perspective. I mean, it's almost like you're not fearful of failure. I mean, were you scared the first time you ran a hundred miles? Oh yeah, I mean you got to be a little a little terrified, um, but but I mean you just know like yeah I mean you know it's gonna be a little worse than you expect. I guess you don't really know what to expect the first time, uh, but yeah I mean luckily you're excited enough and you're stupid enough that you're not really too scared. I mean stupidity is the is the inspiration of big dreams i guess <laughs> <laughs> i mean and occasionally one one idiot amongst us like makes makes something special of it and uh <laughs> i i'm just uh blown away i mean you're doing dream race after dream race i mean what's what's kind of like going through your life as you progress as an ultra runner like, are you, are you satisfied after each of these races? Are you longing for something more? Like, you know, you come away from a big win or, if, you know, you're on the podium and you're like, ah, I left something out there. Are you just never happy? Like, what's what's kind of going through your head for these races? Because yeah. you start really going after ultras. I think um, it's a good question. I think... I mean, there's there's some satisfaction after a race, um, but I think the biggest thing is just realizing. Um, I think the biggest thing is just realizing that, like, le- like learning from your mistakes in the event, and then yeah, being satisfied if um, being satisfied with that, yeah, satisfied with learning rather than the performance itself. I guess uh, you know, no- nothing ever goes perfectly. And what's what's oh. guiding your your decision making? Are you are you just blindly like a race director comes up, hey, free race, beautiful course, like come do our race, or like what's guiding decision making throughout uh, the the uh, next few years? Are you are you only racing races where you're like passionate about the yeah the terrain and and yeah, that's the a good city. question. You know, like, I mean, like, yeah, Rocky Raccoon. I'm not, like, super passionate about, like, the Texas. Um, Huntsville, Texas. You know, like, oh. Huntsville. I'm not super passionate about <laughs> Huntsville, Texas. But, like, uh, you know, I do love Texas. Like, I've raced in Texas three or four times now, and I love the people down there. And they, they put on here. really good events. Yeah, uh, I agree. It's a fast course. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm passionate about running fast. Uh, you know, I'm passionate about a good race in February that, uh, when there's not a lot of good races going on. Uh, so like there's, there's like, you know, like, yeah, like the only courses I'm really love are like, you know, beautiful Alpine, awesome trails. Um, but like, there's so many other 
cool. You know, I'll go back to Texas probably again, hopefully this year for um, the the hundred or hundred mile championships in December. Oh, cool. uh, which is you know just like a flat, fast course. Uh, so you, yeah, it's just like, you know, yeah. Do you do you see that like as like kind of the next step within your career is like going after most I don't know like Zach Bitter like faster hundred milers as opposed to like the <sighs> yeah. real techie stuff because you your specialty man I mean there's not many guys within the U.S. that can just show up at Chamonix and throw down you know like it's yeah. very very rare to have the ability to be a mountain goat <laughs> yeah I think um I do like running UTMB and I'll definitely I'll definitely run it again uh I don't know if it'll be this year um you know it's just I think with that that is like your year your year commitment a little bit um you know the first year 2015 I I jumped in the last minute and and had maybe dedicated through you know after the time between Western States and and UTMB to that race um and I mean that that works but I think like you know if I know I'm running UTMB this fall that's all I'm thinking about and so you kind of have to you kind of have to decide if you're like ready to do that this year or if you want to do it yeah, there's only so much time you can only think about one thing. It's amazing to me. Like, for the listeners' background, I'm just looking right now. So, like, you took eighth place at States in 15. Mm-hmm. And then the video I was talking about with Bill Yang, you took – is this correct? You took third place at UTMB. Mm-hmm. So you took a top ten at States and easily – I mean, you almost won UTMB or you were very, very well, high Well, I mean, they beat me by it. Yeah, um, they've not won by like an hour. What's what's an hour amongst elite ultra runners? No, I'm just kidding. Oh, it's a ton. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Uh, So an eighth place at States to a third, I mean, and then it's just phenomenal. Um, And those races, I mean, those are dream races. And you're performing at like top-notch level running. And you follow it up with just you know states of following year didn't go as probably as well as possible 30th but then you took fourth at utmb so like i mean it's just phenomenal running <laughs> like it's hard to comprehend doing states that well and then following up at utmb because normally it's like you've expended all your you know you're, you're gonna blow out your adrenal glands at states and then have a bad six months um I mean, yeah, that's sort of like, yeah. I think the biggest thing is like a- anybody can do that. Like if you, you know, maybe not like at that scale, but like anybody can have performances um, that are beyond beyond what they believe they can do. And I think that's a big part of the point of running, uh, you know, from beginners to veteran runners. Uh, you know, if you just, if you're just analytical a little bit and, relaxed and calm and learn from your mistakes you can you can have success that you didn't think you could have so and that's that's fascinating i mean what what had you learned over the few years of ultra running that got you into the upper echelons of becoming a i mean you're not just an elite runner when you're top 10 at states and then 
top, you know, top three at, at UTMB. I mean, are you just training so on point that your body's just able to withstand that? Or are you learning how to fine tune your diet and nutrition during the race and hydration? Like, like yeah, what's, what's going less, on there? It's a way more guess and check and, uh, <laughs> fly by the seat of your pants than I Guess think people would assume. Uh, <laughs> you know, I think like, yeah, I mean, there's like a, a basic plan and I, I definitely like, yeah, train hard and eat smart and sleep well. Um, but it's not like, it's not anything other people can't do. It's pretty, I think it's super accessible and basic, basic training principles. Uh, That's cool. You know, pretty modest training. I would say I train pretty, pretty conservatively. And what do you mean by that? Mm, yeah, I try and, you know, like keep keep a pretty pretty strict schedule of of cycling between hard days and easy days and hard seasons and easy seasons and sleeping as much as possible. <laughs> I'm jealous cuz I have a newborn. I have a newborn. Oh no way. Oh, oh. yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that's challenging. <laughs> it's quite challenging. I'm sure it's um, great, though. I'm sure it's awesome. It's, I mean, it is what it is. It's the best yeah. thing in my life. So that's great. That's awesome. And it's also possibly the worst training. <laughs> like trying to recover on like four hours of sleep is just, uh, yeah. But I mean, um, then then someday when you like, you know, when you do an all night race this summer or next summer or whatever, you'll be used like you'll be way better sleep adapted than me. I'm I, like, I, I, know, will, I sleep 10 hours. <laughs> I will crush David Lane. At, yeah. At, yeah. Sleep deprivation. I mean, I can hallucinate snakes better than anybody in the business. <laughs> you, you would go off trail, but I would know where the trail is because I'd follow the snakes. <laughs> yeah. <That's laughs> um. Let's let's just shift gears around. Like I, I know we're kind of going all over the place, but let's talk about Western States. I mean, it's an important race. It seems to be sort of like a driving force of ultra running for you, and you're running it this year. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I I wish I could just do a Nike trail running Western States video mm-hmm. because between you, Mako. Matt Daniels, like, I feel like Nike Trail has just shown up to uh, Squaw Valley all of a sudden. But uh, w- walk me through how you're feeling for that race and, like, is the game plan, like, what what are you thinking going into it? You're no yeah, rookie at this race. Yeah, well, I kind of am. Uh, I've only really run ran decently once and ran really bad twice. Uh, like just not, not bad, but like made unintelligent race decisions and training going into it. Um, but yeah, this year I feel a lot better than I have in 2014, 2015 or 2016. So I'm excited for you. I'm optimistic. I I'm, I'm sure I'll see you out there at some point. So it'll be cool to meet in person and, um, I'll, I'll be out there filming Matt Daniels for his race. That's awesome. Uh, So yeah, I'm sure I'll see you. Um, are, so you, I mean, Rocky Raccoon had to have given you like serious confidence. Just, you know, I listened to Ethan Newberry, uh, podcast and it was like, it sounded like you were running through swamps and it was just, pretty, yeah, it was your feet were muddy destroyed. Day. It's a fast course though, even if it is wet. I mean, so you did a 14 hour, hundred miler, um, in 
pretty bad conditions. I mean, it seems like your training block going into states, you seem very positive. I mean, you seem yeah. like you're in a good place. So, I mean, do you yeah. have a goal for states? Is it just finish and feel good? Or, like, are you gunning? Yeah, or... the, the goal is always just to get to Auburn. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, and think past that's a, a bonus. Uh, you know, I mean, I think, I mean, as much as I'm joking, like, that, I think that is the truth. Like, you know, you can make a thousand goals, but, like, if your number one goal isn't to get to Auburn, then I think you're, you know, I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's what my number one goal always has to be. Yeah. I but, mean, I mean that's it, a point of both trail running, I guess. Yeah. No, I mean, when it gets 120 degrees or whatever it can yeah. get in parts of that race, it's phenomenal. Like, yeah. Yeah. If I ever run States, that is my number one goal. Yeah. Get yeah. a belt buckle, no matter what metal it's made out of or yeah. what color it is. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you've you've had such highs and lows. I mean, tell me how you get out of low moments. So you've you've hit low moments during you know the post race, whether you won the race or dropped out. Like, how does David Laney get out of a, like a super low? And I I even have post race blues, and I'm I'm middle of the pack at best. So. And a lot of, for yeah. me personally, it's like, make sure your vitamins are in check. Like, I think it's B12 for me. That's like, really, I gotta be, gotta take that supplement or I feel a little down. Um, yeah. Like, how do you handle post-race blues? How do you get out of it and get into your training block? Yeah. I, I mean, that's a good question. I think like the, I mean, the cursory answer is like, just, you know, just like keep your head on your shoulders and you know, get back to running. But I think, I think, you know, and I'm not a doctor or any kind of medical professional, but I think like, uh, you know, I, I think something that trail running communities starting to understand is like these races do take a lot out of you. Uh, like, you know, it does stuff to your brain. It does stuff, it does damage to your brain and your heart, your muscles, just as they, you know, as it does to your feet and your quads. Uh, and like just having to understand, like, uh, people respond differently to that damage. Uh, and it doesn't mean you're, you know, have like uh, a mental health issue or, or, or it does. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I'm not either. To, like, so I think it's okay to understand that after these races, you're going to feel funky and that you should go like you know if you can handle that or go get help from somebody or uh yeah i mean i think i think just acknowledging that like i think that i think yeah what i'm trying to say is acknowledging the damage that these races do uh is something everybody has to be really honest with themselves about i respect that a lot i, I respect how open you are um because you're in the public eye and like you know people are looking up to you and, you know, I've, I've read articles and they've, you know, you've been open about it. So I think it's cool that, you know, you're, you're sharing what's going on. And I know there's quite a few other ultra runners that do the same, but uh, I've tried to be open as possible too on that front. That's for sure. Just cause I mean, you, you shouldn't run a hundred miler and feel like super, super depressed and feel like you're the only one. 
Like right, occasionally yeah. it happens, you know, it's okay. And, um, we're such a supportive community and yeah, I mean, yeah. I think the worst thing you can do is trying to close it up and not talk about it and, you know, <laughs> act like everything's normal. So yeah, just my opinion. And again, yeah. like you, I'm, we're, we're no doctors here. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, there's a million different directions we could go with this interview. I want to get to know you as a person a little bit more. So are <laughs> are you living in a house there's right much now? To know. <laughs> are you living in a uh, house? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. You yeah. you actually have a house. So there's an address. Yeah. I can send you a thank you card. <laughs> okay, because uh, I know you were off the grid for a while and just loving yeah, being the mountain lion. Yeah, I uh, I'll do that in summer. You know, pretty soon I'll pack out of the car again and and be on the road for most of the year or most of the rest of the. I don't know, till September or whatever, October, but what, um, uh, yeah, right for the winter. I definitely did what in, in the years of just amazing training blocks that you've had, is there something that is a must that I need to know before I do like, I'm going for the triple crown of 200 milers. Okay. Nice. Um, That's awesome. What, what training block or what training run would you be like, Rob, don't miss this. Like, trust me. Like I have experience. I've, I've been top three at UTMB. Like I'm, I'm an okay runner. Like just don't miss this run during your training blocks. Yeah. I, I mean, it's so personal. It depends on the person. Uh, yeah. and I mean, like I've had training blocks that, you know, I would say most of them aren't amazing. I'd say they're like a B B minus most of them. Like things go well and things don't go well. And, um, you know, I think that's like a miss, like, you know, people think because you have a good performance, everything went well, but most of the time, everything goes like okay yeah. uh and there's you know like most training blocks that have a couple of days that are unintentionally off because of fatigue or injury or whatever a um but just mitigating that a sick infant yes that yeah gets totally, called yeah. from daycare for the next two days yeah sorry i no, won't go no. off on that one any any stuff like that yeah life yeah. life happens um well, that's good to hear like i feel a little yeah, bit I better think... um I mean, what do you, are you doing back-to-back long runs? Do you like a big Saturday and then kind of like recover? Like what's been kind of your ultra twist on a typical training block? Yeah, I think it's pretty, like pretty standard. Um, you know, like our trails and tarmac team just partnered with the broken arrow sky race. Uh, and so if you want like our, like our basic beginner, eh, not beginner, I guess that nobody at broken arrow is a beginner, but uh, but like a basic training block, um, you can download that for free on their website. Cool. I think what I do is pretty, pretty similar to what we have on there. Um, you know, there's a pretty much one run, one, one long run a week and one workout. Uh, and if I'm training for a mountain race, like Western States, uh, well, which is kind of, yeah, it's a mountain race. Um, you know, the workout I like to do is a downhill basically downhill hill repeats so i'll do a hard downhill wow straight into a hard uphill um basically like beating up the quads on the downhill and then uh you know and the uphill is actually not as hard as the downhill the downhill is really the focus there uh you know you can get in the nuance of that actual workout but but kind of those downhill hill repeats i think are pretty helpful cool and 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 i usually go in the middle of a middle of a session so maybe middle of a long run or something like that just added comfort level uh, 
what yeah. what um what what have you learned in terms of mental aspects of either training or racing because you you have the ability to tap into something that's not typical for runners i mean anytime your performance is on your type of level you're not only physically peaking out for races but mentally like during the race you can do something special like what what have you learned is it that meditation type oh i don't thinking know. <laughs> or, or like <laughs> what it, what is it mentally like can you just turn your brain off and run i mean i wish what are you uh, doing no I, I think it's probably not that like uh, i don't i wish i had like a secret potion for you but i think it's i think it's just like you just go running every day and i think that's the practice like then just like chop wood carry water like you do it enough and that just becomes what you're used to doing nice i yeah. just just think how many clicks a uh, david laney ultra running hacks article would get <laughs> and then you click on <laughs> it and it's there are no hacks yeah. and people would yeah. like yeah. the comment yeah, section good. would go nuts <laughs> yeah. yeah that's actually a great article idea <laughs> um yeah 100 yeah 100 trail running hack for every mile yeah that's a good idea we should do that we should write that article (laughs) i'll just be in the comment section yeah Um, yeah (laughs) just be an online troll we need more (laughs) online trolls in trail running more yeah a lot more yeah um that's honestly don't get me going on that road like we're all out here to like reduce stress like make our lives better because yeah. of how much stress like other aspects of our lives are causing so yeah. it's like you really have to be sick if you're yeah. if you're going down that um what i, I want to go into your gear and and get into that you know those details but what do you do you have a special diet um no no special no, diet just... so you'll eat a pizza i sure. can buy you a beer do you drink I don't drink, yeah. Okay. I don't drink, but everything else, yeah. I've noticed that's pretty common, actually, with the elites. They, I'll be at, like, an after party and, like, I'd say 50-50 drink, which is interesting. Really? Um, yeah. For probably a variety of reasons. But um, walk me through, do you have any best taper practices? Because tapering is not a science, in, or at least in my head it's not. Do you have a rhythm yeah. for best taper practice? I think, yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's, again, it's different for every person. Um, but I think there are like basic principles. Um, you know, I think like in, in like a three sentence summary, like don't really reduce your intensity that much, even though you reduce your volume, like keep that intensity, uh, you know, do a workout, uh, but, but a really short one, um, seven days out or whatever, um, keep doing strides. Um, you know, I usually do like three weeks out, like 80% volume and then like 60% volume. And then the last week it's confusing because your race is in there. So the mm-hmm. volume ends up being super high, but, um, but in like the five days before the race, like 25 on max volume. Yeah. So yeah, I would say like a two week taper two, maybe front loaded three. Yeah. That's cool. Like I, I haven't heard. I haven't heard eighty percent on the third week. Like that's, that's actually really helpful. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. And are you, are you modifying what you're eating through this process? So like when you no. hit max training block, like, are you just devouring like? Because I find honestly, I'll I'll just, 
I'll kind of listen to myself and eat more like a, a higher protein diet, like during the hard mm. parts of a training block. And then yeah, as I nice. get closer to the race and I'm crushing it middle of the pack, like I'll go almost vegetarian vegan towards the end. Like, huh. cause my mileage is tapering. Like, is that anywhere near what you do or do you just eat the same thing every day? Or are you, I pretty much eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. <laughs> nice. Uh, honestly, like, yeah. I just eat whatever's like strawberry jelly and available. Or... I use I, I do like raspberry. Raspberry. So I will, okay. I will, I'll pick that off the shelf first. <laughs> um, you Top. know, like I try and eat pretty lots of fruits and vegetables, but yeah, I pretty pretty simple. I've got one T-shirt, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Nike's like, David, please, please uh, accept our package. <laughs> we have shirts for you, and you're like, no, I'm good. Um, so, do you? I mean. I got to follow this up with, do you eat tacos? Oh yeah. Oh, no doubt. Do you like pizza? Oh, yeah. I mean, what's oh, like, yeah, sure. what's, what's like your go-to after your top three at UTMB? Like you just won a race. Like, uh, do you like Rocky raccoon? Like you won it. Did you, I went to, I went something? to Dairy Queen, but I was kind of, I felt a little ill. So I only ate a milkshake. Okay. And then the next day I went to Whole Foods and like ate, ate there for like a couple hours, but <laughs> just went through but, the line. The, uh, yeah, they have such good, like hop in the woodlands. They have this whole foods is like the size of a Costco. Yeah. And they have so they have like a restaurant in the whole, in the, in the grocery store. So you seem to be caring about like, uh, organic, like whole foods, like not processed foods. Is that correct? Or do that's, you yeah, think that's about it? What I purchase when I go to the grocery store. Uh, you know, I, like I cook my own food. Um, yeah, but I don't like, I'm not again, you know, that'd be a great, that'd be a great YouTube video or article. Like David, like David Laney spaghetti or like, (laughs) like you walking, uh, walking us through making something. Um, it'd be funny. It'd be great. Maybe you're a really good cook. I'm betting, I'm betting on the uh, PB and J diet that your cooking skills are, um, good. But not yeah, not average. stellar. Yeah. Uh, I'm um, average. <laughs> so, what's your go-to shoe? Do you have one? Let's work through gear. One go-to uh, shoe, or or is it just depend on the surface? Yeah, probably. I uh, pretty much wear the Kyger most of the time. If I'm on the road, I wear the Pegasus Turbo. Okay. What do you think of the new Kyger Five? It's awesome. Is it? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's been what I've been trying to get them to make for three years, so I'm glad they finally did it. I, I'm finally giving in. I think, uh, Kaylee and, uh, Matt have, have talked me into a pair, so. Good, Uh, good, yeah, yeah, they're awesome. And, and so, I mean, this is the most important question of the night. (laughs) Toe socks or no toe socks? Yes, yes, sometimes. Uh, I, I I do get some. knew I liked you. Uh, I go back and forth. And so, will you put um, anti-chafe type lube on your feet? No. So you just like bare. Okay. I'm telling yeah. you, David. Like, I know you're blistering after Rocky Raccoon. Yeah, it was bad. That's a bad example, yeah. but um, like I always throw squirrels nut butter on my feet. Yeah, I use that. I use that. Just, uh, I do use that stuff. So yeah, I might try it on my feet. Try it on your like in between your toes, yeah. just generous, and then throw yeah. your socks on and try not to think for like yeah. five minutes. Yeah. Um, what do you wear any kind of compression gear? Or are you pretty no. classic? Yeah. It's classic split shorts. Yeah. And how, what's your inch inseam? 
I, I can't pull, I, I can't idea. pull off below <laughs> below four inch inseam for me is just like we do not need to show uh, like I I don't have the legs for anything within a four inch inseam it's like five inch inseams like okay all right sorry I'll move on um no that's all right. do you do you wear I a vest a ever about... what's that do you wear a vest ever no no oh so, like a regular vest yeah it's not, we've got like a little little pack. Yeah. Oh, where it's on long runs, yeah. But you're mostly handhelds. Do you have like a mostly, yeah. Like a go to handheld that you like? I mean any kind of extra yeah, that's, gear. That's simple bottle that fits in the back pocket of the shorts. Uh, okay. simple hydration bottle. It's kind of like a curved bottle. That's what I usually use. Cool. Do you have a go to watch that you use? Do you track everything on Strava, like with the uh, GPS or not do you really. care? Yeah. Yeah, I do use a GPS watch, but I, I've got a couple of different ones. No one's reached uh, out. Yeah. You don't have, you don't have the big uh, watch sponsor yet. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm trying or, yeah, figuring that out right now. But yeah, I, I would assume like you're trying to be convinced into like an Apple Watch, and you're like the battery life. <laughs> I can't run for like yeah, forty hours. I wish. On. Um, any other gear that you really have enjoyed using during ultras not really i try and take as little as possible and are you using gels yeah i use the spring energy gel so it's like a rice rice paste uh rice based gel um cool yeah i'm trying to think anything else sunglasses hats yeah i'll wear i'll wear a hat and sunglasses at a hot race but Cool. Um, but yeah, I try and do the, the less stuff, the better for me. I just get frustrated with it. Do you ever drink liquid calories or like how yeah, are you like, balancing? I like Coca-Cola. Okay. Um, I like, you know, we've got a spring energy electrolyte drink that I really like. Um, I just, I like straight water too. Yeah. Whatever they have at aid stations, code red. I like Mountain Dew. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Code Red brings back some memories. Oh man, <laughs> crushing Good or bad memories. <laughs> crushing Code Red, like we got to finish this paper. We got two hours. Like, oh, let's go, let's go. Code Red. Yeah. Um, so, I'm just trying to um, transition away from gear. Like, what's yeah. what's motivating you? Like, when you woke up today, like, were you thinking about Western states? Was that yeah. Like, does a big race kind of, like, motivate you? And, and or has a Western States even kind of, like, lost its uh, motivational factor? And, like, what's motivating you today? Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I'm, like, a – I don't think I'm motivated necessarily to run. Like, I just like doing – like, I like doing it. Like, I enjoy my training every day. And so uh, I don't feel motivated or not motivated, really. I just – uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I don't think I have like a motive, like a motivation okay. per se, I guess. I, I mean, yeah, like I definitely, when I woke up this morning, I was definitely thinking about Western States. Uh, how cool is that? But, but, <laughs> Are you excited, man? Oh yeah, I'm definitely, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're always a little bit. It's going to be such a cool experience. Like I'm just excited to be out there. Honestly, I'm like ecstatic to even in the vicinity of the race you know like yeah, i'm not even yeah, running wild. it um yeah 
So I'm I'm like super stoked and excited for everything. Good. Good. Yeah. It's a lifetime yeah, goal for a lot of people, just one yeah, time. So it's, it's so, a good goal. It's cool that you you've been able to run it a few times and like are yeah, you really trying for top ten? I assume is that kind of oh, like oh you're always yeah you're always trying for top. top I would whatever, assume so. But you got to remember, you just got to get to Uber. That's the goal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't exactly. really think about the goal side too much. I just train as hard as I can to get to Auburn and the rest works itself out. What what race have you not done that you're like, I got to make it to that race at some point? Like, well, I'm quick as hell. Like, Yeah, I think Lavaredo. Um, yeah. Which is basically the weekend before Western States, I believe. Um, you know, it's a spectacular course and really uh, top, top of that. But it's always, you know, so close to Western States, you can't really do both. Do you think so, you'll yeah, ever? Yeah, I think Lavaredo next year. And that's a. I've I've heard amazing things about that race. I yeah. need to. I, again, that's one of those bucket list races for sure. Um, would you ever consider a two hundred miler, or is that for old folks? Oh man. Yeah, I'm trying to dig into that kind of like idea. I, I'm definitely interested in a twenty four hour. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ultras, uh, like even road. Uh, so that's interesting. Um, Tahoe 200 is interesting. I guess it depends on the 200. Yeah, um, totally. You know, Tahoe's, yeah, some of them are definitely intriguing. Uh, man, yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a new, brave new world right there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, have you considered any FKTs? Have you have you uh, nailed down an FKT? I don't no, even know. I'm no, sorry. I haven't, I haven't really... Okay. Haven't really gone into that scene. Uh, I I don't know. I think, you know, maybe at some point, but nothing at the moment is calling my name. Or that's what it's all about. Yeah. I mean, that's that's yeah, what I yeah, like you about you the about most. Something. I mean, you said enjoy your training. I literally have a shirt for sale that says enjoy your training. Like <laughs> that's like awesome. we could not be on the same page or same shirt like more. Like yeah. I'm, that's what I'm all about. Like. Yeah. It's really cool to hear that that from like such a talented like, you know, front of the pack runner, elite runner, um, because in the back of the pack and middle of the pack, sometimes it's hard, you know, like races don't go well. So um that's really cool. What's what's the longest amount of time you've ever spent running? I assume it's out in Chamonix or Yeah, at UTMB twenty two hours or whatever. So the twenty four hour mark for you is like probably kind of a mental hurdle or yeah i mean 24 hours wouldn't be that hard it's just a, a 24 hour has so much more um you know like a flat 24 hour you're going 180 miles or you know whatever rather than just 110 how's, or whatever you how's the 135 sound to you a uh, bad water terrible <laughs> uh yeah i mean it's it's one of those things like i i hate that i want to do that but uh but yeah it's uh, hopefully i'll never do that but yeah it's, i mean it's, it's been around my head for a while i i mean there's so many cool races so if you were locked down you know you <laughs> this is a weird question but like if you were stuck on one mile of trail the rest of your life what mm. what one mile of trail would you pick that is a good question, actually. Thank it's you. a really good question. 
Ooh, let me think about that. Let's see. That's that's what they ask you, like the gate to heaven. Uh, for us trail yeah. runners, they're like, you get one mile, bud. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think there's a section of the UTMB course uh, on the Italian side. Uh, yeah. Once you've come out of Cormier. Yeah, I agree. Uh, basically going up Grand Colferay. Oh, going um, up. I, I would go down. <laughs> yeah. Well, it gets so steep so quick. It's just like it almost gets harder going down. But either side, I mean, basically like that section is just it's super smooth trail and it's really, really fun. Something in there, I'd probably that'd probably be my choice. I mean, yeah, in the mountain view there is just spectacular. It's, yeah. 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 Um, most embarrassing moment on the trail that you've had, if you're willing to share it. If not, yeah. I respect you regardless. I don't know if it's good or bad. I don't get embarrassed that much. Like, I don't, I just don't like, I'm not that easily embarrassed. When I was a child, when I was like five, maybe four, uh, I ran a two mile race and they give shirts out, you know, like they normally do. But mine was like super long. And so I put it on on race morning, like ready to wear my, and I forgot to put pants on because the shirt was so long. And so I ran and I got to the line and realized it. And so I ran the whole two mile race without literally without pants on. I had underwear on. I mean, but that was, if there's ever a the two mile local race, I feel like you just need to just go for it again. Like relive yeah. those moments when we <laughs> had my mustache. That might be a, I mean, <laughs> news story, but <laughs> yeah, local man arrested. For... Not the, enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, Speaking of which, no, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to segue to mustache after that. I'm sorry. I'll take a step back. Um, okay. Mustache. Um, when, when did the mustache come into being and, uh, like, what was the inspiration? Cause I, I hope you still have it. I mean, I haven't seen you, you know, I haven't checked your, your update yeah. today. Yeah. It's, it's fresh. It's, it's, uh, it's well, it's well kept. Um, what was the inspiration? I don't know. I think in college at one point, I just didn't shave for a couple weeks and I thought it was like mildly comical. Uh, and then, I mean, at some point it just kind of became like a thing and it's really convenient not to shave. That's, that's exactly, I I mean, I don't want to tell you that because then you'll go towards the goatee and then it'll just it'll start moving out to just full blown beard, but yeah. yeah. I, well, I can't even grow a beard. I oh, think you can't. part of the comedy is this is literally all I can do. <laughs> That's all you got. That's yeah, great. Yeah. That's great. Um, yeah, I got like six chin hairs, but that's about it. <laughs> that's funny. So I, I lost track of thought there. I, I thought I was on a, a good path until, uh, yeah, the mustache, man. Oh, what I was going to ask you, does, does the Nike Trail Elite team, can I make the Trail Elite team without a mustache? Uh, yeah, I think so. Is, is that like a prereq for making I don't the know. team? Yeah, I don't know who else. I'm thinking 2020, I, think I got a chance. Hair. Yeah, yeah, might as well. Give it a try. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Just grow the mustache and then we'll go from there. <laughs> Oh, we let this guy on. Yeah, he had a cool mustache. Yeah. He's he's okay yeah. at running, but if uh, I was in charge, I that would be my role. <laughs> That's funny. Um, what are you shooting for for all of nineteen and twenty? Like, 
Do you have longer term uh, yeah. goals or are you just so obsessed on like your current goal, which can be healthy either way? Yeah, I, I definitely have longer term goals. Um, but they just kind of, I mean, there's too many to count. They just kind of rattle around my head until, until they become a short term goal. Um, cool. Yeah. So I don't have any, like any real vision for 2020. It'll just kind of depend on how, how the short term goes. Yeah. No, that's cool. Um, and then I'll just finish with the last few random questions here and I've enjoyed it. I've, I've kind of tried to bounce around to keep it interesting because I didn't want to like bore people with chronological, like, Hey, you did this race, then you progress to this race. Um, so hopefully I didn't throw the listener off too much and hopefully you got to know David Laney, the person a little bit more. And we talked running and again, you know, I'm I'm a huge fan. I have been since the first month on my treadmill. So, it's, <laughs> good, good. Yeah, it's really cool to to talk to you. Um, if I were to jump in the passenger seat of your car right now, yeah. What what music would you have? What radio station? What CD? Like, what's your go to oh, jam? That's a good question. Yeah. Uh, oh man, I should look at my Pandora. Uh, I don't even know. What do I listen to? I go back and forth. Um, maybe like I know everyone says this, but like I listen to a little bit of everything. Uh, if I hit like eject pretty, on the kills. CD player right now, what's would it be a playlist or would it be an actual CD from someone? I don't have any CDs. Uh, yeah, I pretty much listen to the radio or my plug my phone in. I've been listening to a lot of Mumford and Sons lately. I like them. There you go. Yeah. Cool. I like um, Lord Lord Huron. That's pretty good. Oh yeah. I like yeah. I like I'm pretty like chill music. Yeah, I I downloaded a few Lord Huron songs past few months. Like I yeah. I listen to everything too. Um, yeah, they're good. It's cool and and so. I mean, what are you reading a book right now? Do you read books yeah, still, reading, like uh, constantly? Like, are you? What am I reading? I'm reading the Oregon Trail by A New American Journey by Rinker Buck. Uh, basically, like I think him and his brother do a modern day Oregon Trail. So they like get mules, get a wagon, uh, and cross the Oregon Trail. That's cool. I'm almost done with it, but basically, it's like a it's like a history of the Oregon trail through the lens of doing it today. Uh, and I mean, they're like pretty, they're interesting characters for sure. Uh, but it's like a real book. So yeah, it's cool. I mean, reach out, I'll send you a book anytime you want one. Um, if you, if you want some stories of all the people that you pat or like not even passed, um, all the people behind you that finished like several hours later, (laughs) um, from the middle of the pack, let me know, man. I'd be happy yeah, to send you a copy. Thank you. Um, and so I want to close with what advice do you have for someone taking the leap into ultra running in this? I don't ask this to everyone, but you have such a great long-term perspective and you've been around the sport and I know you've had ups and downs, but I, I really respect you um, and how smart you are about recovery and like, you know, learning from experience and whatnot like what advice do you have for someone that's finished a few marathons and they're like this local 50 milers just like calling my name 
Yeah. I think, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really fun and builds a ton of confidence to do something that you didn't know you could do. Uh, like it's, it's kind of silly to think of trail running that way, but like every time you're on the starting line, you're doing something you don't know if you can do it. Uh, and every time you do it, it builds confidence or you don't do it and you learn from that mistake. Uh, so I think just like having a really calm and logical thought process about it and not getting discouraged or being like, ah, like I'm, I'm not doing good or whatever. Like there's no good or bad. There's just like finishing or not, uh, or, or it's not even finishing or not. It's learning from your mistake or not, or trying or not. Like, I don't, you know, it's regardless of if you finish or win, like it doesn't really matter. Uh, if you try and if you learn, you know, that's the point. It's like the, it's kind of like trail running is the least exclusive, (laughs) most exclusive community you can be a part of. Like you don't have to do anything except try and learn and you're in and everybody's welcome as long as you're going to try a little bit and exactly, you know, yeah, pretty chill. No, no one's gonna not know. respect you if you DNF. Like, right? Yeah, exactly. Every everyone will not respect you if you don't even start. Like, you know, because yeah. like you're just not wanting to do it. But yeah, I totally yeah. agree. And I know I reached out to the right person because, like, honestly, that mentality runs through the elites, the front of the pack, middle to back of the pack. It's such a cool mentality that you have, and. I can't wait to see what you do over the next few years. And Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited. Hopefully, I can meet you at Western States, and yeah, absolutely. I think I'll you're going to have an excellent race because you've been smart about recovering last year, and like now you're you're pushing yourself into it. So, um, have a great training block in the states, and I'm sure I'll see you out there. and And thank you for taking so much time. Where where can people follow you on social media, David? Uh, at, at David Laney, uh, 12 on Instagram and Twitter. Awesome. The 12. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for talking. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it. I'm glad we got to bounce around and get to know you a little bit. So we'll stay in touch and absolutely. Yeah. Again, good luck your training this year too. We're pulling for you at state. So have a great race. Thanks so much. Thank you. And that's the episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Thank you again to David Laney for taking so much time. It's an honor having him on the show. Thank you again to my show sponsors, Exoskin, Destination Trail, Sufferfest Beer, Hammer Nutrition, and Ultimate Direction. Have a great week. Talk to you guys later. See ya.